Welcome to the latest episode of Bad Faith Ultra Leftists, uh, your favorite libertarian socialist podcast at the ongoing, very exhausting, stressful, continuing end of the world. Um, I am Kim, one of your hosts. Um, I use she or they pronouns. I am in D.C. Uh, we also have Tim. Hey, y'all. Uh, this is Tim. I'm in Minneapolis, and I use he, him, or they, them pronouns. Awesome. And we also have Ben. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm in Portland. I use he, him pronouns. And we have a special guest today, um, our friend John. Go ahead and introduce yourself, John. Hey, I'm uh, John. Uh, he, him pronouns. I'm here on the south side of Chicago. Welcome. Thank you for being able to join us. Um, let I don't have anything witty to say to kick us off. So if we want to get right into the vibe check. Yeah, let's do it. it. Wow. Our, our most efficient intro ever has been ruined by <laughs> me right now. <laughs> and I will uh, continue you, so you, to ruin it. <laughs> that, sounds like you're, that sounds like you're volunteering. So let's hear it. Oh, me? I have to do it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Got to. Uh, yeah, my vibes are okay. I, I feel like um, uh, I had an okay holiday season. I got to go home and see my parents, which I felt very weird about because I mm. uh, didn't want to get them sick. I was careful about quarantining and all the things. But, um, yeah, it was just like I, I hadn't seen them for quite a long time and I knew that if I didn't go see them, they would be very sad. And I'm happy that I saw them. And uh, family is always a lot, but it was a relief to get to spend some time with them. Um, and the I, I took my cats with me for complicated reasons. I was gonna say, how yeah. was driving with your cats? <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. It was an ordeal. Uh, Fitz is Fitz. So Fitz is my older cat. Fitz is probably like 13 now. I think. Um, and he hates traveling. Like, like he is the cat that like screams the whole way on any like oh, nice. of, of, of yes. journey. Yeah, just like you think I'm done, but I'm not done. Like I'm actually angrier <laughs> now than I was two hours ago. <laughs> uh, and he managed to like turn. A, what what I thought I didn't see until I I I didn't see this until I took him into the the car. There was like a small hole in his carrier, which is had like a, had like a mesh side, and he managed to rip his way out of it and like Jesus. get loose oh, in the car. <laughs> and like, he had several hours to work on his escape. Yeah, yeah, and like, so I drove in, you know, freezing rain with with him in that situation for a while, and he settled down, but it was still like a hell drive. Uh, and Griff, my new cat, just snoozed the whole time. Like, just, like, was quiet and just kind of, like, judging us. Yeah. That's kind uh, of a role reversal for those cats, isn't it? It is, because Griff is usually the pain in the ass. But I think he's, uh, he's he, he he understands an opportunity for, like, he's like, well, I'm, I'm in an enclosed space and uh, nothing I do about that. So I'm just going to chill. And it, it was weird. It was it was definitely, like, a, a surprise role reversal. But, yeah, made, made up safe, feeling pretty good. The cats are the cats are being chill and fun. Uh, Kim, Kim, how were your vibes? Um, I've been feeling antsy, and I, I'm like, I don't know why. I do know why. Uh, I think last time we talked, the Nazis were in town. Guess what? They're back. Hey, uh, wow. Yeah, they cannot stay away. 
Um, they're, they're supposed to be here tomorrow, as usual. They're here a little bit early. Some of the footage that's already out is just absolutely horrifying from a super spreader perspective. Apparently, one of the speakers today was, like, telling everybody there to hug each other. Yeah, yeah, I saw that specific video. Jesus Yikes. Christ. So all the Nazis and MAGAs are out there spitting in each other's mouths, and... Yep. Um, it's pretty great. There's just, I, I feel like things have reached a level of like, um, I don't know, surreality that I can't really process. So I'm going to be a little probably discombobulated on this call until we like get into it. Cause it's, it's, I think it's also the thing of like being off Twitter. It's like, I keep refreshing just to see what's going on. So on like the one hand, it's really nice to take a break. And on the other hand, I'm like, <sighs> What is what is happening out there? What is the so, next horrifying thing that's going to happen? Yeah, it's not uh, it's not great. I will say I just want to appreciate everybody who you may be listening. Who um, there were a lot of opportunities um, to make calls to um, hotels in DC and the surrounding areas. Oh to yeah, ask that's right. Them, yeah, to like not let the fash stay here. So the main place where they always go is Hotel Harrington, which is the hotel above Harry's Bar, which is basically like fash headquarters in D.C. Um, and the bar and the hotel decided to close for this whole three day, three day period, which is really, really wild. Um, I'm not exactly sure what shifted there. Uh, I'd be really interested to find out because they kept getting these kind of like fines every time these guys would come to town for like um you know breaking the mask rule and like not doing social distancing and whatever it's not that much though i don't know if it really hit them in the pocket they didn't really seem to give a fuck about the bad press until this time um you know what i actually wonder just occurs to me as i'm saying this i that you i don't know if you well i'm sure you guys have but i don't know if folks in general have like been following exactly what's going on with this like enrique terrio thing so he just got arrested he got arrested apparently like leaving the airport so mpd actually did some police work um at some point and for for context that's not gonna happen again he's 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 yeah all of this is confusing why this is happening i mean it was super super easy layup for them quick quick can you explain who that is just i just for so people know oh yeah sorry he's the okay so you know how like the guy who like started started the Proud Boys is Gavin McInnes, right. whatever. And then he, after the New York thing where the FBI was like, uh, you're going to be indicted as like a gang leader. He was like, oh, I'm out. I no <laughs> longer have anything to do with these guys, even though then he keeps coming around. But then they found this other loser, Enrique Tario, who's in Florida. And he's like now their leader. I don't know, whatever his like president. I don't know what his like title is. But he also runs a completely fake outfit called Latinos for Trump, which is just a slush fund, which goes like right into his bank account and like pays for his private jet travel, including to D.C. last time he was here. So I don't I still don't have the details. I don't think it's public, but I'm assuming that that happened again. And they just picked him up right off right after he stepped off that same like charter jet. Um, So he's doing a bunch of financial crimes. And in addition to getting arrested for taking credit for destroying um, at least one, I don't know two, but definitely one of the like Black Lives Matter sort of like banners. It's at like the oldest um, like black AME church in DC, like one of the oldest in the country. Um, It's a hate crime, folks. Um, That's what he was arrested for. Plus he was traveling with two like M16, I don't know if they're M16s, but they're like rifle mags. 
Um, so he's facing serious jail time for that. There's a bunch of theories about why he did that that are somewhat interesting, but not really worth getting into right now. The interesting thing is that um, the Lawyers Committee for Human Rights also just filed civil charges against him. And I happen to know <laughs> um, just from like how they operate. That means that not only they see that this is like an open and shut um, hate crime case, like they found a perfect plaintiff of these like very sympathetic kind of like black pastors, whatever. Mm. But more importantly, they know there's money there and they can get at it. So that like I, they're going to be able to like unravel all this stuff or they wouldn't have taken the case in the first place. So all oh, that man. like Latinos for Trump, like slush money um, is going to be up for grabs. And that's going to be really, really interesting. So you've seen them. You've seen lawyers committee like right now they're cracking me up. They're like tweeting to bring this full circle. They're tweeting like, oh, you guys, same thing as all these like anti-fascist organizer and like researcher accounts are tweeting. Oh, like call the D.C. Hyatt, like call the days in, call this charter bus company, call this like um, I forget what it's called. Um, it's like a Christian fundraising site. It's similar to like GoFundMe. Oh, yeah. Um, Shut God them fund, down. God fund me. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, don't let these proud boys come to town. I'm like, yo. Okay. So they're, they're really doing this. Like now they really give a shit about this stuff. And I think that that means that they see this is like, um, going to be like a real serious win for them. And I'm sure they're going to fundraise off it too. But like, that is an interesting like turn of events because we have been screaming about these guys for years. The mayor doesn't care. The police don't care. City council hasn't cared. These businesses haven't cared. And now, since last time they were here a couple weeks ago, um, some type of switch has flipped. So it'll be interesting to continue to see what happens with all that. Yeah. That's anyway, sorry. That's not really a vibe check. It's just like current events roundup. Sometimes your vibes him. are current events. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's right. The the vibes uh, options are good, bad, and current events. And oh, yeah. sometimes also yurt. Yeah, yurt is, yurt, is yeah. It's the fourth option. <laughs> I would like to have more yurt-related <laughs> vibes in we, 2021. See if we can make that happen. Um, we didn't. We don't have anything uh, reserved until the end of the month, so <laughs> we'll have to wait. And it's not a yurt. It's a deluxe cabin. That's still pretty good. We decided we were going to splurge on that because right. it has its own bathroom. <laughs> wow. That's Don't a that, too that's that's a cure, a cabin cure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, I'm gonna tell you that my seven year old refers to that as glamping. Uh, yeah, it, if you have your own bathroom, it is glamping. This will be our first time having our own bathroom. <laughs> but honestly, also, during COVID, about, that's a big big amount of peace of mind. Honestly, yeah. Uh, ben, how are your okay, vibes? So, I, I, yeah, I, Ben, I you have some it. upcoming glamping uh, vibes coming yeah, but in the interim. Glamping is upcoming. Um, we survived yet another December. Um, we're now into January. And that's my vibe. We survived. Somehow. Have you gotten through all your birthdays? All the birthdays are taken care of. Nice. We got nothing to do for a, a few months now, so... <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. The kids, the older two kids stayed up till midnight for New Year's. And I was like, oh, goodness. Do you really want to do this? <laughs> Knock uh, yourselves out. Dad dude. is tired. 
Were they watching Anderson Cooper getting no. sloshed on TV? What no, were they even they were doing? Not. We were watching movies. We, okay. we flipped to the, watch the ball drop at like 45 seconds till midnight. Like we were, I was like, we're not watching this nonsense. <laughs> I heard that. Our, our, How about the apocalyptic uh, New York, uh, New York, uh, New Year's Eve ball drop? It was like the empty wild. fucking like. I think Times many celebrities were cyberbullying Bill de Blasio during it, though. So that's pretty good. That, you know, I mean, it's not all bad then, I guess. <laughs> Any opportunity at this point. Uh, yeah. John, how are your vibes? Oh, my vibes. Um, I am, like, still in recovery from COVID. So I have weird vibes yeah. where I have trouble sleeping uh and i feel fine good until i feel like i'm like i need to like sleep for like 72 hours but i don't actually sleep for 72 hours I usually like take like a 45 minute nap and then wake up um it's a very weird sort of like i'm great and then like alternating that with like physically feeling like unable to walk mm. Which is weird because COVID itself, when I was really sick, wasn't that bad. Hmm. It was like a sore throat for like five days. And then it was like the shortness of breath. I remember laughing at Donald Trump when you could watch him doing the like COVID gasp while he's up there being like, I have COVID. Yeah. And then you're like, you know, you could see him doing it. I remember laughing about it. And I still think that that was the right thing to do. Um, <laughs> fuck all those ghouls. Like, I don't care. You're not publicly apologizing for having laughed at Donald Trump. Uh, Never. Wow. Okay, well. Brave. Brave I know, statements. I know, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, I like I feel like it was. it's a little bit more relatable now because, you know, like, after day five, that kind of kicked in a bit. And then, like, it really did like knock me on my butt and it wasn't, but it, again, it wasn't like, you know, we have friends, mutual friends who like, they just like didn't get out of bed for two months. Mm -hmm. I've, I'm not like that. I've tried to go back to work mm. a few times. And like the last day I was at work, I was like halfway through my shift and I'm like, I'm a nurse. So like, um, masked up, like not like, uh, you know, multiple weeks out from, uh, COVID test, so not uh, not infectious. Um, and, you know, I'm like rearing and ready to go back to work. I'm like, I finally got a good night's sleep. I'm good. And I go in and like, um, like I made it until like three in the, like, I like, I'm an idiot. Like I ride my bike to work, even no matter how shitty the weather or anything, I live close in by Chicago, to the hospital. Again, in Chicago, again, let's just remind everybody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah so... <laughs> COVID, COVID days, ride my bike into work. Not that long a bike ride. I was fine. I felt fine getting off my bike. I'm like, I can do this. And then three o'clock rolls around. I've got to walk down like a hallway that's like two blocks long to go get some patients' belongings. And they like, you know, work around patients getting uh, recovering from surgery. Um, and I'm walking back with this patient's belongings and I'm just like, oh, and just, you could feel like the energy just drain like out of me from like the top of my head down to my toes. And I had a, like a charge nurse that day who's, you know, like I've been to charge nurse before, you know, your job is to take care of your people and make sure everyone's safe, yada, yada, yada. And she was not happy with me that I was like, I can't do this anymore. She was pitching a fit. Mm -hmm. and I was very unhappy with how she was treating me. I'm like, 
look, I can stay and take care of this one person, but after this is done, I got to go. And she's like, you're either working or you're going home. And I'm just like, fuck you. All right, boss. I just, yeah, right. Like some people just let that little ounce of uh, authority go straight to their head. And so this is just me like publicly venting a little bit about that. But, you know, and that's like the weird, that's the weirdness of it. Like, and it frustrates my partner because like I'm generally like the kind of person who's like, I got taking care of the kids. I got doing this, got doing that. I'm like, I'm always like trying to do my best to like make sure that our, our social life is reproduced <laughs> um, the best it can be. And it's just like when you can't mm-hmm. because like you just can't get out of bed for like half a day, it really puts a dent in everything. So, um, but yeah, so th- those are my vibes. I mean, other than like a burning hatred for the ruling class, <laughs> you know, and cops and like just like watching. This is the thing is that I've been talking about like the um, I'm a bit of like I've been described as like an anarcho prepper before. <laughs> yeah, um, that's our and favorite. like just watching society, uh, like real when you're just like I remember watching um, Chernobyl, the HBO series about it. a year ago. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, and people, there are people like tankies being like, oh, this is like so in- like so inaccurate and i'm thinking to myself this isn't a critique of like the soviet system this is a critique of unaccountable power and thinking about how we're basically in the middle of watching like a society where the ruling class is so is completely unaccountable and also just like phoning it in yeah and then on top of that not afraid of us yeah so, like, at least the Soviet Politburo were truly afraid of what would happen if, like, you know, if they accidentally irradiated, like, you know, a third of their habitable territory. Like, and they they made the move. That's what's crazy. It's like you can talk a lot of shit about what happened get leading up to um, that whole disaster. But they mobilized, like, a million people. That is so unthinkable. Everything they could. Can you even fucking imagine? Like, I can't. I mean, (laughs) I've been talking on Twitter. People are like, "How do we deal with this COVID vaccine?" You've been talking on Twitter. You've been talking on Twitter. (laughs) No, not true. I'm sorry. Oh, shots fired. (laughs) Feeling called out. Feeling called out. Very much posted. I'm sorry. Yeah. Poster. Yeah, just a just a poster. Damn. Okay, the tail between my legs. And walk away. <laughs> Whatever, John. You more um, work than I do. <laughs> but the but the the fundamental thing is is that if we even had the the like a, a ruling class that cared, they would be doing some wild shit, being like, okay, what are our strengths? Right. We have massive like capacity in like transporting refrigerated and frozen food all over the country. We have a McDonald's in literally every community in the world, like in the continental United States, like just fucking like you can take a a person whose job it is to run a cash register. If you can run a cash register and you can flip burgers and you can like show up, you can fucking give like uh, you can give vaccines. Like this is not rocket science. So they can't even like we could be mobilizing. And I know that this sounds crazy. But we have this huge, vast network of fast food infrastructure that is perfectly set up to refrigerate, store, and distribute like things that need to be distributed or else they'll go bad. Fucking draft McDonald's. Like, like have the meeting, 
be like, okay, McDonald's, here's $20 billion. Just fucking make it happen. No, 100%. You're totally right. I looked uh, into this when I was working on post office stuff. Like, the number of McDonald's compares to the number of post offices is fucking wild. There's McDonald's everywhere on this goddamn uh, square inch of this country. But the other thing that you're making me think of, I'm sure that you saw this, is that this isn't just a theoretical, like, okay, what if we had to start from scratch right now? Like, what could we do? Like, what, you know, what are our options? What are our resources that we could rally? Like, Andrew Cuomo, the state of New York has wargamed all this out. They already did it multiple times and they have a plan and he's just scrapping it because he wants to be in charge. Like the shit is insane to me. I think I, I'm trying to yeah, remember I mean, who this was. I think it might've been JMC uh, shout out at JM colony on Twitter. Friend of the show. Uh, friend of the show. Uh, I think <laughs> it was him that said that when the smallpox vaccine came out, that New York managed to yeah. vaccinate, I want to say 2 million people in a weekend. Yeah. 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 Um, like, I mean, it just it just goes to show like how degraded um, the United the like the U.S. like capacity for like basic like uh, you know the the basic statecraft of like protecting a population mm-hmm. and how divorced the people who make those decisions are from feeling that that is like a priority in a meaningful sense. Um, and it really goes to show I like I believe at this point our political class is so completely divorced and separated from like working class Americans lives um, and the reality of being working class in America that they might we we are dealing with the equivalent of like the British ruling class, say, like circa like 18, like 30, like we're enclosing you know, like the Scottish like fields, we're gonna like we're force you know, like shipping people off to their deaths in Jamaica, mm-hmm. like just like like a complete and utter disregard for anyone's interest except for this tiny ruling clique that are um that are part of a global like uh you know, ruling class and they just really um and the implications to me for that are things that are kind of hard to deal with because how do you get the attention of people who don't think you're human, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that they just, that they don't think of us like humans that are important enough and people that they should, you know, like, if I was in charge of, like, a country, I'd be re- literally afraid for my life. Yeah. In a, like, a normal functioning society, I'd be literally, like, given the, <laughs> the <laughs> I think I posted a tweet where it was a meme like the Captain Planet meme where you've got all the people with their putting their rings together. <laughs> I think it was like, you know, like uh a mil- like half a million dead, like uh fucking like eviction rates, mm-hmm. like uh like the eviction rates, uh the unemployment rate, you know, like shooting up to like 30 fucking percent and like fucking like uh you know, three guns for every American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and it's just like <laughs> there where we go it's like and i think it was some it was oh that guy um uh millions of dead landlords yeah so millions of dead landlords I yeah so. and it was like they had like posted like a thing where like their tweet was like oh boy here we go <laughs> and you're just like <laughs> the extra cool thing though is that we're also dealing with like a fucking epidemiolo- 
epidemiological crisis. So it's like they also, as part of this, are just like, oh, germ theory isn't real. Like the Nebraska governor today or yesterday Yesterday. was like undocumented people working in meatpacking plants, which, by the way, is at least two thirds. I think if I remember correctly, it's over 60 percent of of population in Nebraska. And meatpacking is a tremendous part of the Nebraskan economy. These people are not, quote unquote, not allowed to be working there. So therefore, they're not allowed to get um, vaccines. And this idea that we that that germs aren't real and humans don't interact with humans and that like he will be safe if he does that. So it's like this. Yeah. Like we aren't uh, human beings to them. But also, like, the the depth to which you have to stick your fucking head in the sand to even, I don't know, to even formulate that as a as a pronouncement is, I can't wrap my head around it. Well, and, and I, also, I also think, like, John, you were kind of alluding to this earlier with, like, the, 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 the kind of basic approach you would have to this 100 years ago would be to say, like, what are the resources that we have in a specific area? And how do we use them to deal with this problem? And like most people, their first reaction to this kind of crisis would be like that. In the in in, in I mean maybe I'm being a little Pollyannish, but I'm like, yeah, like that's what happens in these kind of crises a lot, like in disasters and in in like um, un- unforeseen scarcity situations. And like, it is so much worse here than in almost any other country to the point where like, it's not just classism or income inequality or the the formation of this new sort of, uh, you know, um, aristocracy that's been in formation for a while. It's also like, I you know, we talked about the bureaucracy as, as a common theme in this podcast. Like mm-hmm. the, those roles take up so much of everyone's time and everyone's thinking that that basic type of creative sort of response to crisis is it, there's, there's no space for it anymore in a lot of but ways. But I think I, I would push on that because I, I think actually like the underlying thing is in order to have this sort of like creative collaborative response to crisis, you have to have fundamental agreement on what... Mm the crisis is and what the goal is. And so this is kind of what, where I want to, we're sort of very organically moving in the direction that I hope we could talk about this today is that the goal is not like saving humanity. The goal is to kill us off. Right. So the goal, the goal that's working is really well. My, yeah, is, is what's, it, what's my bottom line, whether you live or die. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not even like before before the idea was, okay, it's my bottom line, whether you live or die, I'd prefer that you live just because I have some shred of humanity. Now that part's gone. The part mm-hmm. where, oh, I'd prefer that you live. I don't really care, but I'd prefer that you live because I have a soul. No, that's mm-hmm. gone. They, they don't give well, a shit at all, whether we live or die. But I mean, let me do put, I do want to like, I think one thing that we have to deal with today in 2020 or 2021 <laughs> now, I guess Oh God! Is that we could like as like people who are living through this moment, we catastrophize these sorts of things and think about like, oh, this is some unique historical development. Mm-hmm. Um, let's keep perspective in one in in the sense that there 
have been for the vast majority of like human history that there have been ruling classes um, and working classes. Um, however you want to dice that up, the people on top have not fundamentally like I not seen people who do the work of making society function as human. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. Like, let's be, let's be real. Like um, the British ruling class, like the substantial, and I keep going back to the British ruling class because I think that's like, that's the most relatable thing that we can kind of like go back to. Also, they were and, so like, cool. They just, like, they, they, they the dressed US. cool. They looked cool. Like they were really fun. <laughs> they looked like fucking douchebags. Those assholes. They, you could tell, you could tell the fucking emperor that they're, they weren't, weren't, you know, wearing fucking like thought, you know, like knee high stockings and powdered wigs and putting fucking stickers on top of their boils. Oh God. But you know, <laughs> But okay, let's be real. Like when they were sending, um, when they were sending, uh, you know, former like be- in- enclosed peasants to the uh, to work in the cotton looms, mm-hmm. uh, when they were sending, uh, you know, enslaved uh, uh, Africans to their deaths in Jamaica, in South and South Carolina. When they were um, when they were shanghaiing like uh, children into like service in an imperial project in into their navies, they were not thinking. I have like uh, I have like uh, some responsibility to these people beyond this the abject fear that they had that if they mishandled something that they would end up dead. So I just like like I think that we do have to be careful like because I think that there's a a tendency to think that we're we're living some sort of unique experience and no one's experienced this and these people have never been so bloodthirsty like let, let's be real No they definitely have like, been we blood have... Th- this bloodthirsty in the past I was talking about how there was a veneer of this kind of pretense toward believing that people's lives had value in the American ruling class in the 20th century basically yeah 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 for i and i'll and i'll totally agree and this is what's so fucking like of like uh really like frustrating is in my view at least is that that we have our parents or at least my parents my parents were baby boomers um you know some of you zoomers you got some gen x parents or whatever can you imagine but like (laughs) i know right uh but Imagine their kid. There, there are people out there who their living memory is that the ruling class. If you uh, were born in certain places and your skin looked a certain way and you spoke English in a certain way or spoke English at all, you would be considered to be something important to protect and preserve. Right. I think, though, that there was probably an element where those people saw that as purely this is the base of our power. Yeah. And I think the shift that we're dealing with is seeing our ruling class no longer seeing the vast majority of American, like people that reside in the United States of America as a base of power anymore. Mm-hmm. They have their mercenaries, they have their police, they figure that they can, you know, it's like I'll pay the one half the ruling class or the working class to kill off the second half the working class. They don't even think that they need half the the working class to do that anymore. And part of that's because we're so fucking cowed. And I like I hate to say that because we just saw 
this massive like fucking um upswing in like uh like the, the uprising this summer was and this is what gives me hope you know the the uprising this summer was a like uh, like basically unprecedented even in even during the most like uh the the largest uprisings uh that we had during the 60s uh, they were not as broad and as diverse as the uprisings that we had this uh, this summer. So, you know, it's all like doom and gloom. I can see it. I understand where people get doomer and blackpilled and all that shit. But I also can't let myself get blackpilled because I've got children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I have to know that we're that there's always, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I hope the light at the end of the tunnel isn't fucking like trained. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so so my Fuck. my thought has always been this, like. Look, there's something. I mean, we have to we have to work whether or not like there is going to be a time of whatever, whether that involves a just like horrifying possible futures. If we don't work now toward it, if we don't work now toward a good future, then it's only going to be worse than what it is. You know, it's only going to be worse than what it could be if we don't put something into the world that will give us at least some semblance of hope. I mean, I think there's something to that, but also like, um, just not cause I'm just cognizant and I don't want to be like, Oh yeah, totally. When I just responded to one of your tweets earlier today <laughs> about like looking forward to the DSA 2021, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a <laughs> convention. Yep. <laughs> right? Um, it's like we can talk about all the fucking shit that went down and, and what it requires sort of like organizing wise, intellectually, emotionally to be prepared to enter that fray again. And like my answer is I'm not like, fuck nope. all y'all. I'm out. Fuck yep. this. So like that is not a viable or <sighs> there's a lot wrapped up in viable. But for me, that's not like a viable like playing field that I'm interested in being on anymore. And so like I don't actually subscribe to, like, um, even the idea of, like, hope as being particularly useful for me, which is not to say it, it, it shouldn't be for other people, but, like, um, I don't have to, and frankly, like, I can't really see, like, um, that just putting in more effort um, will make it less bad than it could be. Um, I, I just want to be honest um, in terms of my own personal experiences. I have plenty of experiences where that's not the case. Like that's can get into sunk cost fallacy and it, you know, sometimes it's better to, to cut bait. But yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I'm but, not saying that, that people should throw their, their back back into DSA or anything. I know you're not. I know you're not. So no, I'm, this is, this is my self crit for me, not crit of you. So, so, but for me, the, just to put, to tweak it a little bit, it's like, I don't have to, and I actually really can't look towards the idea of like, things may get better or at least they won't get worse. To me, again, like to sort of put it in the historical perspective that like John is mentioning, it's like life is struggle. And just like a lot of us didn't know that before, but it is. So at least I know that now. And I like, I I don't know why I'm connecting these ideas, but I saw this earlier today that somebody just did like kind of a long read on how like um, American culture basically at this point, which is why everyone is so fucking devastated right now, is like eating out at restaurants. Like we don't, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's so like yeah. it's it true. is embarrassing. Like, what is life? Like, why am I alive? Why am I here? The answer is struggle. 
Like, the answer is, like, trying to fucking survive and find these little moments of pleasure Applebee's? and connection where we can. <laughs> it's $1 uh, Apple Teenies at Applebee's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, like, kind of, like, but in response to that, Kim, I would say that, like, for... I know enough people who are, like, who have that sense of, like, it's all fucked and it doesn't matter. But what I don't see yet is people who take that step and say, like, you know, there's this whole, like, politics of, like, oh, we're going to be positive and build and all that shit. But I think, like, a really underutilized thing, and this is uh, probably a feature of the uh, U.S. political culture, is the politics of spite and anger. And, like, if... If I was in that position where there was, like, no future and fuck it and it's, like, fucked, like, take some fuckers down with you. Like, there's, like, this whole thing where we've got um, the fucking uh, – someone posted up uh, the um, – there's, like, a union-busting, like, uh, firm owned by uh, Google yeah. or the employed by Google, and they're famously, like, awful – and it's like, why is it that the right in our lifetimes was able and willing to post the names, addresses, phone numbers of abortion care providers yep. publicly and just out there and be like, do what you will, you know, like, where is the left's version of that? Yep. Because, uh, I mean, if you're fucking blackpilled, if, if anyone listening to this thing is blackpilled and you aren't fucking figuring out a way to be like, OK, you're fucking you're like, I'm one steps away from like ending it all. And I hate to be this person. I hate to say this because it sounds really fucked and gross. But if like I, I I've envisioned myself in that position and always been like, and this is especially before I had kids. And it's like if I was there, what would I do to make my life the most meaningful? Yeah. No. And, yeah, I agree. And I don't. And I and I don't see that yet. And and I want. I, and I'm sorry. Like, and I posted this today. I'll post. I'll admit this post. It's <laughs> like we have. We need to have that energy of, well, I condemn their actions, but I can't condemn their spirit. Like, what? I mean, we have a ruling class that's murdering the world. Like, where the right. fuck are people who are ready to make those people really fear for the consequences of their actions? We're not there yet. There are those people, and they'll get there. But, like, and I kind of, like, have a little bit of, maybe it's, like, a stupid, like, Marxist bug in the back of my head that, like, Material conditions, you know, it's like the the meme with like the person who's like uh like uh, material conditions grind on, and they've got like the fucking like guillotine, and someone behind them's like, I just wanted healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know that like that that is a real thing. Um, but like I really like I have deleted a lot of tweets before hitting send. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I. Like, if you think I'm a poster, you don't know That's, half the shit. It doesn't even John, sit in, dra- I, 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 in drafts. I hope you know, I was just making fun of the fact that, like, you said, I posted earlier. Because it's just, like, a, <laughs> like a fun, like, we, we're we all posting. This is the world that we're in. You know what, and, though? I yeah, like I it. I like, I know, it helps me see, like, where y'all's heads are at. And just sort of, like, other people that we, that I think are smart and interesting. And that, like, we're in touch with and whatever. And it kind of, like, helps move the conversation forward. And, like, I, you know, John, I take your point. <laughs> 
Seriously, is that like, and I have friends like this that will we'll tweet shit and then we'll delete it, be like, oh, that was ill considered, like 24 <laughs> hours later. But What's like, wild um, is to hear both of you say, I delete a lot of tweets, considering <laughs> the tweets that make both of your timelines. I know. I mean, yeah, like, we're not getting into this, but like I have the dumbest tweets of all of us. If we're being no, honest, no, you don't. Very obviously, Your tweets are great. You, you're the uh, most wholesome. I think you're the. Oh, that's, you're the I like yeah. that. Un- that's unlock yeah. Tim. Unlock. Yeah. Uh, one one day I will. One day soon, I think I will. Uh, but like I I, I I do think that there's like this this very the, sort of the, a recurrent question on this show. Because this is this is a, a show, not just a podcast. It's a Whoa, show. Whoa, we're a show now. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no business like <laughs> yeah. Business. There's no business like podcasters. Like pod business, I know. Um, it, 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 it like I don't fully understand why people like Mayor Jacob Fry aren't terrified for their lives all the time because, and I I think it's just like, it's, it's, it's what what we're alluding to and talking about and, and like digging into is like the ruling class has gotten a lot more amorphous. It's, it's, it's like there's, there's, it's easier to enter it in some ways than in the past um, in the way that like, you know, uh, you, you could be, the mayor of a small Midwestern town or city would not be like this this uh, significant political figure in the same way that 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 Fry is. Yeah. For example, um, yeah. all of his pressure, all of his meaningful pressure, is coming from like the armed police force in his city and interests that we probably don't even really like can't really fully explicate and like. There's a the basic discomfort with putting the kind of pressure we're talking about on people. Like, not just, like, a protest in front of their homes, but, like, how do we actually, like, disrupt the systems that keep them in power in meaningful ways? And that's a really hard question that, like, I very rarely see grappled with. Can I weigh on this? Because speaking of posting, what I was going to say is that, like, I actually really like seeing everybody's kind of, even if they're sort of disconnected or stressed out or whatever sort of tweets in this moment because it's like this ongoing kind of very messy raw conversation about how we're feeling and so I was reading this book I've been attempting to read this book for like four months that John recommended to me um, that I wanted to read before we talked uh, today called um, Riot Strike Riot and I was reading it the other day and I tweeted like a little screenshot of it on the topic of this specifically is that I keep coming back to this point, and so I seeing it in print, I was like, oh, shit, is like uh, the older I get, I keep coming back to this point that like our only power as like the surplus population, right, the growing, metastasizing, underemployed, unemployed, exploited, the newly Prop 22 surf class that was just invented, um, people who are long COVID survivors who are not able to go back to work, all of these things, Um, jobs that are going to go away forever. Our power lies entirely in our willingness to engage in mass law breaking. 
and yep. we haven't gotten 100%. to that point yet. Yep. So like, yeah, it's really sexy. Like we all are like, oh, remember when like the third precinct burned down? Yeah, that was the most amazing thing that ever happened in my life. Like we should go back to that. But there's two things that are that are I don't want to say stopping that because it will continue to happen. But like sporadically or in a way we can't really predict. Right. Like we're not all doing that on a mass scale because we both fear repercussions, which is completely real. But also, it's about respectability policing. So we've I've brought this up before when we're talking about sort of what does mutual aid look like if you really, really, really want to get real? If I don't have money to spend at the grocery store to stock my community pantry, when do we start doing expropriation? I'm not saying that at all from a like being a accelerationism is fun right. or or you guys should like get over yourselves and take risks because like going to jail, getting arrested, getting violated by the police, getting COVID and dying in prison is horrific. But yep. both of these things are happening at the same time that like there's the external cop and the internal cop, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And if we are ever going to be able to turn this corner and really do creative destruction here and really seize power, we're going to have to break laws, get over the laws. Laws are fake. I don't yep. know how we get there, but um, that's where I'm at. The, I mean, so kind of like going off of what you just said and what Tim just said, like, and then why you all brought me here. You didn't just bring me here to talk shit about my Twitter accounts <laughs> and my tweets no, and shit. No, we did not. Um, we actually love your so, Twitter account. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, every time I threaten to leave, people are like, no. And I'm like, why don't I get more faves? I'm just like, come on, man. Like, why are I give whatever. you faves. I don't uh, know what you're talking about. <laughs> Okay, so uh, the thing that I was going to say was that, like, um, I'm, uh, like, I am a union nurse, and I am, uh, and I help organize tenants, and I believe deeply in the power, like, the organized power of working people really can fundamentally change the world. Um, And so now we're talking about all this stuff, and now, like, let's think about what, kind of unionists in our collective history were saying like what like that were the kind of people that were fundamentally terrifying to like the ruling classes of their day you know lucy parsons said you know like after the uh chicago i think chicago tribune or some like uh, like eviler version of the chicago (laughs) tribune a hundred years ago, posted a fucking editorial where they were suggesting poisoning, like literally putting poison in the bread in working class bakeries. Uh, she said, you know, in front of crowds of people, like after, you know, her uh, her partner had been murdered by the state, uh, framed and murdered by the state. And she said, you know, every... every greasy, grimy bum should arm themselves with a gun or a knife and station yourselves on the you know, outside the mansions of the rich and shoot or stab them as they step out onto the street. Um, and to me, like, let's talk about it. Like, but that doesn't, what does that mean? What are the implications of that? And why is it that, where does, what does an organized militant working class look like in 2020, 2021 now, keep reminding myself. It's only five days old. Don't versus, worry about it. Hey, 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 ver- can, can, versus can I, can I where we... something? 2020 fun, huh? No. Right? No. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, my 2021 predictions is we will hit a million dead. Oh, yeah. And yes. it will not be fun. I agree. This year, this next year is no, it's, like watching everything it's head be out. It's going to be horrible, horrible, horrible. Plus, it's actually clear that, like, somehow supers- surpassing the awfulness of 2020. Plus, it's clear that no numerical ceiling makes any type of change in their mentality about what they're going to do about it. We've already blown through every yeah. number that should. We've blown through Vietnam uh, U.S. deaths. We are about to blow through World War II U.S. deaths. 2020 was the most lethal year in American history. Yep. More lethal than every year up until this point. So I guess the, I guess what I'm saying is is that um, you know, and I know that the reason why uh, you all have me here in the first place is what is like because I think that there's a lot of pessimism about what like organization is can be what it means. What does it mean? What is the working class in 2021 in America in the core of like, uh, you know, a global empire? Um, And what does it look like? How do we get from, you know, one burning police precinct to like a world beyond capitalism? Because there's a lot of shit talked about, you know, like, oh, there was this uprising. You did this uprising. And what has changed? And so, and like wondering, and I guess like part of my optimism is how do I pick out like the things that I see happening and that are real and, you know, in the middle of um, this, all this awfulness and piece together maybe what a a real future looks like Um, or a possibility, you know, it's always contingent. So, um, you know, I've been uh, in the past year and a half i've been on picket lines i've been watching as you know police like uh you know beat people for you know over during the uprisings i've been i've been around and i've seen some shit and i've got friends who have gone off to join the revolution in other countries i have uh you know friends who are you know consider themselves revolutionaries here and now and what does it mean to have something that looks like uh, a real, like a real, like I call it, it's like a, like a insurrectionist syndicalism. Yeah. You mm. know, uh, we have like, and I guess like, you know, so like as someone who we can't, we, are we the surplus population? They're still collecting rent, you mm-hmm. know, from us. Right. Like they're still extracting value mm-hmm. from us. I guess if you want to get cold blooded Marxists, you know, looking at va- like the flows of capital and shit. There's always a place where we can disrupt and build solid, and then look at those common areas and build the- build solidarity and organization. Um, and care workers. Um, there's a reason, and we were kind of uh, talking a little bit about this. Like, you know, there's been a lot of talk about like why is it that nurses or why is it that teachers in particular have been in certain areas uh, kind of like the forefront of like up you know the the kind of upswing nascent upswing of militancy and what are things like mutual aid kind of like how do they play into that what is it what is mutual aid right that's another huge question i think that there's a lot of folks who kind of um they talk about mutual aid and they do something but i don't know that it what that it really kind of hits 
it's not there yet in my mind. It's like it's still baking. Still, we still got to cook all these things. We're still in the process of kind of like sorting it out. What do you think of a way too? Sorry, finish your. I don't mean to cut you off. Finish your thought. No, no, go for it. I was no, just. What do you fine. think about too much. Um, I need to, be interrupted. to kind of in my mind the kind of thing that emerges from all these swirling pieces is, um, and we could go in a million different directions with this, so we don't have to go in this direction, but like. What is swirling for me is like even just like the idea of class consciousness, right? So like there's been all these extremely annoying debates on the left for years about like what is the working class that are personally a huge turnoff for me because whatever people come up with, it doesn't feel like it ever includes me. Yeah, somebody's always excluded and yeah. Yeah. Well... Well, sorry, can I, I, can know, I finish the thought? Like, just hold on. Yeah, 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 for yeah, yeah. go for so, it. Like, go for it. So in terms of class consciousness, like, so there's another interesting kind of like um, piece of this book that uh, I brought up before, like near the end where it's talking about like when you fo- when you fixate on like working class, right? Like, which can go the spectrum from like vulgar workerism <laughs> to which the fucking uh, that VC guy just did the other day. He's like, oh, these guys aren't coal miners. They're like Google engineers. Like, how dare they try to unionize? Like that shit is still happening everywhere. But like um, to like this idea of who is a worker is really, really like fractious and stressful and like feels like a distraction at this point. In terms of like, if you just think about like, what is the proletariat in term? It's it's people who are like, don't really have anything to lose. So like the quote is like, these are the people who don't have anything to lose, but their chains. And for me, why I'm bringing up this question of class, class consciousness is like, whether or not you think of yourself as quote unquote working class, or whether or not someone else tells you you're quote unquote working class. I think that there is a much broader spectrum than I have ever um seen in my lifetime people much more marginal than me and people much more financially secure than me that understand now that the state and that capital are not um the way this book describes it is like you know sort of temp like partners who are sort of temporarily falling down on the job of looking out Mm. for you but they're your fucking enemy they're an antagonist to you they want you dead or they at a minimum don't care that you're dead. So I think of this in terms of like, um, I mean, the polling is still totally bananas. Like here in D.C., I'm thinking about um, teachers and um, like paraprofessionals, school counselors, school nurses, um, school like maintenance staff um, getting absolutely blasted. Like the Washington Post just did this the other day and everybody like screamed at them, which is good. And they're a little bit embarrassed. They like hid the article after a while. But trying to make the Washington Teachers Union be like, oh, these radical leftists don't want our kids to go back to school. The only people that want their kids to go back to school are very, very wealthy white people in this city. That has been shown repeatedly in polling. And so they just sort of pretend everybody doesn't everybody else doesn't exist. But even even white people under that, like, very fancy, like top whatever percent People realize, even if they have some means, like this vaccine rollout is a disaster. Shutdowns are a disaster. The school situation is is a disaster. It's incompetent. It's a mess. It seems to even if you have no sort of um, you had no sort of previous class consciousness or no sort of previous sort of structural understanding of how capitalism works and of extraction. Now, 
there are like open conversations about like what the fuck is going on we are on our own like we have to use our own common sense our own you know make our own decisions about how to keep ourselves safe because these people are obviously like not looking out for us and so I think that there's it's not just an opportunity like it is happening so what could we do about it where I feel like the um to contextualize this a little bit I feel like until maybe five six years ago the sort of Clinton era um fight that we were told we were having is Republicans saying that government is bad and Democrats being like, no, it's good, actually. Like, it can do things. Like, we could get Obamacare. And now it's like the alignment of capital and the state is so obvious to everyone that, including small business owners, Jesus Christ, I can't even believe I'm saying this, that people Mm -hmm. are like, I'm totally on my fucking own here. So that in and of itself is just like such a complete shift from where people were at and like the plausible deniability that like capital in the state had a couple of years ago um that i think that that's a much more interesting fruitful conversation than like you know who are the correct workers and like what is the working class it is wild how quickly the mask has come off it is just bonkers how how much the People like both the large corporations in the state who had been holding their cards so close to the vest when I was younger mm-hmm. have just shown us all. They're just now we're just playing the cards are all on the table mm-hmm. and they're just like, no, this is how it is. And, and we'll still say the words that we used to say. And if you're really obtuse, then maybe you'll believe them. But I think we're you not have to be pretty obtuse at this point. Like there I'm literally are, thinking of my, of people, my parents. I don't yeah. know. I uh, yeah. I'm I, I'm I'm like legit very skeptical that this is like a meaningful shift in a lot of ways. Mm. I, okay. I, I like I don't know. Like I, I it's hard to, to to phrase it right now. But like my my fear is that people don't have the indifference to the amount of people who've died in the, in the yeah. last year in this oh, country it's so wild is like i am not that close to being blackpilled or whatever cuz i you know have been a sad mess since i was 12 but like <laughs> like it that's been it's been hard to grapple with like so if that's true if people don't care that hundreds of thousands have died who didn't have to in the last year in this country which includes COVID deaths and all the the normal preventable ones that we deal with every year uh like how do we bring them to a point like john's been talking about of like being comfortable disrupting things saying like i'm i'm going to not take this anymore using the network guy voice like (laughs) that that that's only happened in the most like kind of kind of cartoonish and like it's it's mostly been a, a right-wing dominated thing in yeah. terms of the things that have actually affected power right yeah um i mean i i guess like to interject i would say that like let's remember that like in <clears throat> the last time we had a pandemic was 1918 and it was right after millions of working class people were butchering each other yep. in uh trenches full of mud for no yeah. reason 
like basically a family dispute. Um, and I guess like, it's like meaningful shifts. Like I, like there's some people who kind of like fall back on this empirical. It's like, well, let's look at polling and da, 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 da. And like, let's see what real, like, let's see what is the real shift, you know? And I guess like to me, humans are so dynamic and so capable of like whipping around you know 180 degrees in a way that I think that people don't I think it's hard to um it's hard to fathom until you see it right and like so like no one would have you know no one would have guessed that the I've said this before that the no one would have guessed you know, the peasants of France were going to become the engines of history, mm. like, over the course of fucking five years. Yeah. Like, no one would have looked in America at 1850 and been like, in 15 years, this whole fucking society is going to be completely transformed. Um, you know, David Graeber has published some really interesting shit about just how fundamentally capable like our the human mind and the human brain and society is it changing um and so i guess like you know the thing that i see is like are we building the networks of like solidarity and mutual aid that we're going to need when shit really gets real mm -hmm. you know it takes you know, uh, there are people who are really fetishized organization is like, we need the organization, we need the DSAs or we need the unions or the, you know, this or that. But when the rubber hits the road, historically, what changes things, what becomes the, the thing that really like fundamental, when those fundamental shifts happen, they're informal networks of people who have been part of organization yeah. and have been in struggle and who know who to talk to when they need when an emergency crops up and they need hey we need a 95 mask hey people are hungry hey like you know the police are wailing on somebody down the you know two blocks from here like and so i guess like and this is where it comes back to me like why do i invest the time that i do into the organization stuff that i do is because it's like this is a form of networking yeah. that I look at. It's like, it's the way that we build out the networks and learn and like, so learn how to run a meeting and not, and actually hear voices instead of, you know, like we're sticking to the agenda and you're not in the agenda <laughs> and fuck you, you know? Uh, wow. Or, you just uh, described what? my DSA experience. Well, the <laughs> national DSA experience in uh, like 10 seconds. <laughs> Right, but you know the the thing is, is out of all that stuff, is that we came away with this network of a thousand plus people across the country talking to each other, capable of talking to each other, capable of running meetings, or you know gatherings in the way that we feel comfortable. Like we're actually going to build the kind of like ideas and collectivity. Yeah that we feel like is really critical and crucial to fundamentally changing the world, um, coming in contact with different ideas, new ideas, processing them, discussing them in ways that actually make 
that like are productive instead of sectarian or divisive or whatever and coming up with new shit. And so I guess like I wouldn't throw like I wish I could throw away and excise like my negative experiences like from of organization but every negative experience is a lesson. Yeah. Like I fucking had to learn that shit. And like I mean I fucking hate like quoting the big beard assholes you know but they you know we're talking about what is it that makes the working class Mm -hmm. Kim it isn't like who what your job is in that moment or in your or like where you come from or who you are it is the struggle yeah uh like I think it was Ingalls. He's like, <laughs> class consciousness is forged and struggle. Did I accidentally just channel Ingalls? I didn't even know. Oh, no. I refused to read him. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I mean, like, take what's good, throw away what's bad. Like, I'll take what's good. Yeah. The point is, like, the point is, uh, you know, you, you might have someone who is genuinely, like, comes from a family of people who have only ever engaged in uh in wage labor and have only ever like been tenants their whole life and been fucked but they're in some like fucking micro sect like the sparts fucking spartacus that you work with someone <laughs> hate the from, sparts. literally wow. I, there, I have That's I work a with a spark very specific okay <laughs> if, I, I, does that it is a very specific does, does that thing that still exist in chicago it, i didn't oh, know that okay oh hell oh they, they have papers okay and you awesome. know what they show they show up at picket lines all right all right you know what and you know fucking points oh no but but here and this goes to like the point that we talked a little bit before we started recording is um what does it mean to be a leftist who maybe isn't in a union yet and you're trying to like show support you're trying to build solidarity and mutual aid and you know what it really isn't it really isn't showing up with a newspaper (laughs) oh really bold take i know (laughs) hot take i know um, all and, all, know, all of our also, all of our trot uh, followers are gonna just God like, damn it, yeah right. immediately unsubscribe. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really isn't signing up people from your union into the Bernie Sanders camp. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I was led to believe that socialism is showing up in block with a sign up sheet and getting everyone <laughs> to put their social security <laughs> number on it. Um. <laughs> But it is showing up. Showing up to these things is important and showing up in a way that means something, that is meaningful. So when we talk about, when I talk about mutual aid, like there's mutual aid that happens between people in struggle, in my mind. Like I will drive, I will come and do a blood pressure check on a person who's a tenant building. Like I love that. I've done I've done that shit, and um, it means. But it also means showing up to people who are in struggle and asking what is it that they yep. need. And so there were nurses on strike in my city like three months ago. The Illinois Nurses Association, which has some beef with my union, National Nurses United, because. National Nurses United got their foothold by turn flipping some of their shops, yeah. INA shops, for some reasons that were legit. And I think, you know, I would love all u- nurses to be and all healthcare workers to be in one big yeah. badass healthcare union. 
Um, but so there's still some residual hard feelings there and there's some shit where my union officially hasn't shown up to shit. But when INA took the lead and they were out doing uh, counter protesting um, nurses, nurses were counter protesting uh, the reopening protests. Oh, gosh. So the, the May, around May, there were, uh, uh, there were uh, open the economy protests, anti, the, the beginning of the anti-masker people. And me and one other NNU nurse, in contravention to what the official nursing, uh, the official leadership of my union wanted locally, maybe not nationally, but locally, we showed up because they were like, we can't condone you showing up to a thing where you might get sick from COVID. And this was before everyone understood that if you're outside mm-hmm. and doing like these mass protests and stuff, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and we went out there and built and we showed up and I brought like a big ass fucking banner, like made off of a, I don't know how I acquired it, a hospital sheet <laughs> um, that said, nurses are dying, go home. Mm-hmm. You know, and me and other nurses were up there holding that shit. And we weren't in the same union, but we were in the same That's struggle. Right. And those connections, when those nurses went out on strike six months later, this like this fall, they were out there. And I'm like, what do you fucking need? You need bullhorns? You need like my PA? Like you need like more banners? What, what do you need to make this as badass as you can? And like, I dropped that shit off. You need some radios so you can like communicate with each other. Like the more radios you have, you can buy some cheap, cheap ass radios off of Amazon and you can talk to each other across like, you know, you know, a couple of blocks and you can spread out your pickets and that kind of shit. That's the kind of shit that people like that builds real solidarity, building solidarity with mutual aid, with people who are in struggle. You may not be in struggle then, but you if you have any resources that they might that might help them be more effective, that's how you build it. And those are the networks. The network we built through those like through showing up even informally in a completely informal capacity without the blessings of the official leadership of my union. It's the kind of shit that builds actual class consciousness, actual solidarity builds the power of the working class. And I say working class in quotes, and I agree with everything you said, Kim, that it's like, what is the definition? To me, the working class are people who are fundamentally in struggle against capital one way or the other, you know? This is an important... It's going to look That's an important thread I want to pull on real quick because I think... This is a very interesting thing. I don't know if this is a tough question, but something I've been thinking about a lot, um, again, reflecting on how teachers have been treated, how um, nurses and healthcare professionals are treated, um, everybody in in both of those workplaces um, is like, uh, so I forget what state it was. There was one particular state that kept making the news and then it popped off again because like our attention's is so short our news cycles are so short now um but where state um uh medical professionals were being required to come into work when there's when they have covid um and they never had um proper ppe and then they got sick on the job and then they're supposed to come in when they're contagious um and this happened uh, several weeks ago so it was before vaccines were being made available and i don't know to what extent stuff has changed but like um i've said to you like i've said publicly like a couple times i I don't work there i don't know the lay of the land but like i just as a bystander in this 
shithole country, like, 100% um, would support medical workers walking off the fucking job. Like, and which is not to say that, you know, we all need to eat. We all need to, like, survive. I understand why people might not. And I I definitely understand why, like, professional, like, union, you know, um, staff or um, the the structure would not uh, sign off on that. But, like... Um, capital is killing y'all, but also like the general public is doing it. And like, um, there's, there's with the sort of, I, sorry, I'm, I, this is, this is a little bit, um, dis- distracted or like a little bit disjointed what I'm trying to say, but like, I'm also just thinking of, right. Even before this was happening with COVID, how many hospitals just, went away, were, like, um, acquired by private equity to be shut down, basically. Um, and now, even where, like, need demand is out of control, um, investors, shareholders being like, this isn't profitable, um, which is uh, bananas, but that's how it works. And so um, they're still shutting down. And so, um, yeah. like, schools, hospitals health clinics only run on the uncompensated uh, time, energy, reproductive labor, money out of your own pocket from already severely overworked and underpaid workers who are not respected, have never been respected, and now are getting sent into the meat grinder. And to the extent to which that that um, is happening in the context of like, um, you know, a lot of strikes happen to keep a hospital open or to keep a, a auto plant open mm-hmm. um, that like uh, so you so we have this alignment of labor with capital that's for this like basically eking out an existence of like our labor exploitation and so like I, I don't know how we unravel that other than to broaden the site of struggle um, part of that is what you're saying about um, picket lines and like having people who certainly like across um, quote unquote competing unions, but also across sectors and non-workers and everybody like come to support workers. But what even are the demands of the workers? If the demands of the workers are to keep this fucking hospital that's a death trap open so we can kill ourselves to not even really keep ourselves or our patients alive... I just kind of want to take this opportunity, given everything that's going on, to kind of put a fine point on that and sort of... Yeah, I I want to say something to that, and that is that one of the great innovations of capital in the late 20th, early 21st century has been to build a system whereby the worker becomes one of the proponents, one of the exponents, one of the propagators of capital. Yeah. So that that goes back to both, so like the gig economy of like, you work for yourself now. Yeah. And, you know, but also it goes to things like 401ks being the only yeah. way people do retirement. And now you have to be a miniature capitalist in order to save for when you can no longer work. Um, Along with, you know, the culture of influencers, along with um, what you're just going to right now, which is that a lot of times it, it is now 
the investment capital versus the labor capital Mm -hmm. aligned with a worker that doesn't know what they would do if this job that is going to kill them it's either die die soon but have die soon with a paycheck or not have a paycheck and not know when when or how you're going to die you know um I mean, like, thinking about all that stuff, and this is all stuff that I've definitely thought about, um, I do want to point to, like, when we're talking about, like, so a hard thing for a lot of people to grasp who haven't really thought about it is, like, the industrial nature of healthcare, mm-hmm. the industrial nature of education in the, in the U.S., and how, like, I joke that I work at the surgery factory mm-hmm. That is not actually a joke, really. I do work at a factory that does surgery. Like, that is what we produce. It's part of, it is part of an industrial production circuit. I'm part of, I'm an assembly line worker in a, in a, in a real yeah. sense. And I guess the question, oh, so like there are multiple questions you all are raising. I do want to say like a really phenomenal um, woman who uh, I was completely unaware of until she came and like gave like a, a plenary at like um, a union, um, uh, like a, an international like meeting of union nurses that I was at about a year and a half ago. Um, her name is uh, Tithi Balachandra. Um, she's uh, really big on social reproduction theory. Um, and really kind of like has a whole framework of thinking about it's like there's the production of life versus the production of dead things. And there's like a whole discussion about um, necropolitics versus like an insurrectionary feminism and how the, to the extent that the reproduction of society and workers and families and all that stuff is a necessity it was industrialized and put into you know a lot of it was taken out of the home and put into these industrial settings to kind of like maximize efficiency but fundamentally right now we're in a part of i think like a fundamental crisis of capitalism that we're in right now is that capitalism seems to be at a point where the the funding and uh and capacity to fund the um the reproduction of society like of like basic human like building blocks of society as individuals families whatever neighborhoods is incompatible with profit and so what we're seeing and this is like in real time we're watching our ruling class is making the choice between profit and like reproducing the social basis of the United of like Mm. U S society. And part of that is kind of like there, I, the way I look at it is, is that the social basis of U S society is one of the crucial components to maintaining like a global empire. Like if you don't have literally, if you don't have healthy human beings who can like, that you can draft up in or recruit into a military through whatever means and send across the world. You can't, you can't secure, um, you know, basic like 
resource flows, that sort of shit. Um, And there's people who are like, you know, there's like the kind of like third worldist Maoist tendency. They're like, oh, like the, the third world will rise up and like, and it's all you fat parasites, parasite workers in like the, in the first world who like, you'll all pay somehow. We're all going to get sent to some, we're, we're all getting the gulag. Yeah, we're all getting the re-education camp. We're all getting the gulag collectively. Um, but I really do think that there is like there's a there's something eroding where even in, I mean and they're like, well, China's a rising power or whatever. No. It's like it's like how do we take these like minute like these minute like everyday uh struggles that are happening? It's like I've had like fucking like PhD educated like intellectuals saying like well, why do I care that you guys are going on strike at like you know at the University of Chicago and like there's a legitimate question it's like nurses that I, that I work with and I'm one of, I mean I'm paid fundamentally some of the highest wages of any nurse in my state mm. right but every dollar that my strike extracts out of a what is effectively a multi-billion dollar hedge fund that happens to have like a a hospital and a university attached is a dollar that's not spent figuring out how to like subjugate the rest of the world right that's true and so like we're thinking about it's like like let's maybe i'm like too far into my bottle of scotch (laughs) here but no this is a um, team but sport. Ne- never like, do, never but- apologize for drinking during the recording <laughs> during the of an episode of the show. <laughs> this yeah, is literally every episode. John. This is when we yeah. we get our best thoughts I, at a minute to an hour twenty two into the pod and half a bottle of scotch. For sure. I, yeah. Well, I want to address what you're I saying. Do want, here, I just, John. I, I think that what the 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 working class. I was sorry. The, I think that the ruling class's next move, their gambit, or at least the the hand that they seem to be showing is that we don't care about reproducing U.S. society as we know it as long as we can mythologize it, as long as we can produce myth and culture, um, then we can pretend like we still have the empire that we do. Oh, okay. So immediately, immediate like response to that is there is a, like, there's a fundamental problem when a society's propaganda doesn't match yeah. the other. Yeah, oh, no, I agree. I mean, and so if you have a society, like, you can't sell America. Like, I think that selling America and the idea of America and culture is, like, a huge part of, like, why we're still at the center of, like, a global capitalist Why empire. the U.S. dollar is still hard like, currency, which it's about to not be anymore? Yeah, I I mean, the U.S. the U.S. dollar is like what it is because the U.S. military mm-hmm. can send one of twenty aircraft carrier groups across the globe to bomb and destroy and land Marines on the middle of whatever the fuck is that like uh, is threatening that. And there is a real like you have you do have to have like a society to draw that mm-hmm. on. Well, and it does become a cost. And there is a problem when you can't I mean, do it like, with, like, a group of people. Like, you can't build a military with a mythology that is clearly based on bullshit. And, and, and like, there, there's, there, there's a meaningful difference. Like, there's, there's like, 
meaningful cultural myths and ones that are obviously bullshit. If that makes sense. It's like right. Currencies have to have some sort of like weight to them. That that's that's usually built around cultures and common understandings, if that makes sense. Um, and that's, you know, th th there is a big change that's been happening in the last year or two. This is also under, why the Democrats, yeah. why, f you know, 40 or some odd out of 48 Democrats in the Senate voted to overturn Trump's visa, I mean, uh, veto on the the funding for, you know, that the whole funding block. They're right. looking at, we have to fund the military. This is why military spending is still going to, like, there's no meaningful way. One of the things, you know, kind of uh, social Democrats and, and progressive liberals have said is just like, oh, let's, let's move some of that money out of the military and into education or into healthcare or into whatever else. But it, it can't happen if the plan is to, we've given up on society, we're going to keep pushing myth, we're going to keep pushing propaganda, we're going to keep pushing culture, and we're just going to hope that the fact that we have such a large population and that we pay uh, officers pretty well and that we will recruit, uh, you know, into, you know, enlist, we'll enlist basically anyone who shows up, and that's a steady paycheck. Like, that's that's what they're hoping will continue to propagate the empire. One of the reasons that the the right wing is just absolutely out of pocket is because they believe that they are supporting that empire, not realizing perhaps that it's gone, that that all of the stuff that it's based on is is done. I don't know. I, I don't know where that goes. You know, do, no, I don't. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm I, I was I, I, I'm doing my like sort of sort of late up drunken blather now. But it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like the, the, the continued dominance of the dollar is is a weird kind of like holdover at this point, because it is a thing that that like signifies stuff that no longer has any sort of underlying thing to it and nobody knows what to do with that so what i was saying was is that my partner survived through like the end of like the soviet system yeah and like there's this notion that like you kind of get like that nothing can ever change until it completely does and yeah. like and a country's myths like there's like that Adam Curtis documentary, you can say whatever you think about Adam Curtis, but hypernormalization is real. Yeah. And like when you get to a point where you're, um, when the myths and stories don't work and don't, don't solve problems, then it does really create real problems with like the functional, the, the ability for a society to continue on in the way it is. So I guess I could get really like, like, oh, the system is this all-encompassing, will always eat itself, and will all, like, just always, like, humanity will always be ground into, like, into, you know, just meat for the next round or whatever. But I just can't because it doesn't look... It's weird because as a person who's been involved in, like, organizing and activism and 
like mobilization and like shit since like the anti-globalization movement like it just keeps get it never comes back weaker right my entire adult life it's every time it crashes and falls like society rises up something in society rises up crashes against the state's too strong to hold everything and then it falls but it, it always comes back bigger that's what's been so wild what's 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 the uh Ursula K. Le Guin line. It's like uh, capitalism seems inescapable. In a, in, in a, yeah. The reality of I think but, it's the reality of capitalism seems is inescapable. But then again, so did the divine the divine right of kings. Yeah. Yep. I think I think that's the best. Like one of the best psychological analogies. Like there there are modes of thinking and hierarchies that that feel inescapable but they are all escapable it just it takes time and building trust and patience but also like sometimes you just gotta bush it down too so you know yeah well, i, I mean, optimally we would do that that's, <laughs> let's do that, let's do that. that I... I hate I'm to more be busting shit down always <laughs> i hate to be a debbie downer but and i think this is the bourbon talking but um i yes that's true without going full on Reverend, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the arc of history events towards justice, which is not true. Um, it, it's your timeline, right? And where people, again, why I'm talking about class consciousness is like where you fight with the army that you have, like where are people at? Like where's their heads at? And what we have just been kind of circling around about with a sort of disconnect between propaganda and reality of cultural destruction, economic destruction, social ties destruction, options destruction, and the only things that are getting funded to the hilt uh, is police and military. The other option is we go full Nazi. And frankly, like that seems very tangible right now. Um, it's very hard to watch this, like, Biden inauguration stuff. I, this, we could all be right, but we'll all be dead by then. I mean, possibly. Yeah. I do want to say, like, the idea that we're going to go full Nazi, and I do, like, and as a dedicated anti-fascist who has been in the streets, I was there when fucking, like, when Richard Spencer can't try to do bring his circus to the Midwest, um, there is something f like we might get. I've always been of a mind that if we're going to get something like really awful and reactionary, it's going to look a lot closer to whatever has like the, the past 80 years in Latin America than it's going to look like Nazism in, in Europe. It's not going to be totalitarian in the way that Nazism in Europe was, because I think materially we can't like it. it we've we're past. It's like the same way, like we're not going to get a repeat of the USSR or Mao or whatever, like because the material like materially it's I think it's impossible 
That doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. I mean, yeah, the state is running out of resources, so maybe just death squads then will be... Right, but... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it does sound more like we will get a, a Pinochet, like an American Pinochet, than we will get an American Hitler, you know? You know, fitting, because uh, he's a child of the University of Chicago, so... Because um... we fucking built Pinochet from the ground up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, I mean, let's... But also, like, let's... That doesn't... I guess, like, the difference is that, like, it's for a lot of people, like, the, I mean, for the United States, like, the actual, um, the Hitler moment was being black in America in 1915 or 1919, right? Like, leveling a city that looked like it was getting too prosperous because too many black folks were owning businesses happened in America. That's, that's, that, that happened. We had death, we had death camps in America before anyone else. Like, I mean, like not before anyone else. You invented them, baby. Yeah. That was a model. It was a model for the like mid 20th century fascist. Like that was a explicit model. Much of, American history. So, yes. So, I mean, like, I guess, like, when I, like, I only push back on that because, like, I think there are too many people who are looking for, like, people goose-stepping around. And sometimes when, uh, like, two to, like, you know, a thousand Proud Boys show up somewhere, it feels that way. And that is not in any way, like, a don't fight the Proud Boys like some idiots think. I say, I shouldn't say that. Like some people who have a poor like uh, grasp on history and like yeah. uh, you know the basic realities of like organizing, and also think that they're safe. Yeah, you know they safe. think that they have dilu- they've deluded themselves to thinking that they're safe because you know, and there are people who think that those people who think that they're safe are fundamentally enemies. I don't know that they are because I've been. Germany and gotten to see like their uh, their monuments to all the people who thought they were safe who ended up murdered. Um, so I think that part of our, like it's unfortunate that we kind of have to like extend some grace to people, but we also have to like be very firm and resolute in what we do, and we need to be very like. So I guess like that's my my take on it is is that, like I don't think that there's a material basis for that but i do think that there's a a lot of room for really awful horrible things and i guess that's why i organize i organize and build because if i i feel like if i don't horrible bad things are going to happen worse than they would if i didn't and so then i take it to say that to the people who say organization is a waste of time and organization quashes like real the real movement or whatever that our goal through organization isn't to build a revolution it's to learn the tools and to build the networks and to create like our to help grow our capacity for envisioning and bringing to birth like a new world and so fundamentally my union work is a like is learning how to build community with people that i otherwise wouldn't have community with and my tenant organizing is a way of helping people like understand the connections that they have. And my mutual aid is 
building real human like relationships with people that otherwise like I would have no I, like I would have nothing you know and I tell people when they you know when things look like shit and when uh, people tell me that I'm doing something you know that is good and helpful and giving me thanks to say all we have is each other and I you know and from a a feminist perspective and i say this intentionally because i believe that one of the key when kim when you're like oh like this workerism is bullshit people trying to build the working <laughs> class a uh working class to the extent that it exists that isn't fundamentally built with women at the absolute center of it because of all of the things that are laid on them as like a pillar of like recreating society in all the different ways and i'll you know i've been called in you know i've been told hey don't be an asshole sometimes you sound condescending john imagine that <laughs> um uh, <laughs> i take all that stuff in the best stride that i can when i know that it's coming from a place from people who want to build um a real dangerous revolutionary movement because um, you know, co uh, massages make great informants. And like, if we can't treat each other with yeah. care, if we can't listen, um, if those of us who identify as men or male or whatever, can't, um, shut the fuck up when we need to shut the fuck up, um, and be there to do the shit, like check a blood pressure make sure someone's got food, make sure that kids are taken care of, make sure the dishes are done and the coffee's made. Um, make sure that like the, I'm really bad at, at doing spreadsheets, but I think that <laughs> spreadsheet work is really important and undervalued. Um, then we are going to fail and we will, it's end, also, and we will, will end say, up with that like Pinochet. I don't, I, I'm willing to do spreadsheets to prevent Pinochet is what I'm saying. It's kind of funny that like it, it, in every space I'm in, that's the, uh, uh, like I can think of right now, it's, it's entirely non-male presenting people who are like running that shit. Yeah. That, yeah. that, like that, 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 the, 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 uh, stereotype should be that it's like the dudes trying to like the, the data and stuff. It's like it's not, it's, it's never dudes who are like. I, I want to offer my stuff. services, by the way, to any organization that wants someone to run a spreadsheet. I yeah. know my way around doing <laughs> spreadsheets. Um, I also like. I'll, I'll say that it's like anything that seems relevant and worth being a part of is almost invariably run by women or yeah. not, not male identified people. And yeah. I think part a thing that I try to do is simply is to offer up help to those folks in whatever capacity is that they need to make sure that they have the tools that they need to do what they got to do. Um, I'm in a union that's prime that's, over 90% women, um, mm -hmm. our local like uh, council rep is uh, a, you know, an older black woman whose grandmother's home was a, a, like a landing spot for the Freedom Riders. She had Stokey Carmichael, 
or uh, Kwame Ture, uh, Ture, like staying in her home in Mississippi. Um, and, you know, I don't know how many folks here are, um, have read Settlers yet or, you know, done some, uh, read any Jay Sakai. I think there's a lot there that I'm not really in, in line with, but there is a moment where he's like, people of color need to be running shit. And I'll amend that to say women of color and people who aren't men of color running things in a fundamental way is really important and crucial to building militants, uh, working class um, organization. Um, so I will just say that, um, that I'm always grateful to be just allowed to be in the presence of or listened to by people who otherwise I feel like have a lot on their plate and don't need to listen to me and don't mm. need me to be in their presence, but think that whatever I have to say is valuable. So um, it's, it's rough to come to terms with all that stuff, especially if you're a cis white dude. But once you do, man, it really is like, let's just get this shit going and like, let's build and let's like, like, Let's fucking set more cop, like more police, more police stations on fire, please. Like whatever that, ha whatever needs to happen for that to happen. Like, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> it's a big um, thing. Like, like what, what, what's the plan to set all of them on fire as, as fast as possible. That's the real thing. I mean, well, and that's a nice, oh, sorry, go ahead. Jeff. I would just say that the nurse, the Minnesota nurses association, which is loosely affiliated with national nurses United came out into the streets when yeah. fascists were out there um, and uh, they came out in spite of the fact that like nurses, like there's a the stereotype that nurses and cops are like fucking fingers crossed bullshit. Um, I do work with a ner one nurse who's married to a cop and we all kind of roll our eyes a little bit at her. I also work with a, yeah, gross. like a, a fair number of communists and anarchist nurses. Um, we're there, we're quiet, but we're doing shit. And so I would just say that like, um, to the insurrectos out there, be, <laughs> when the nur when, uh, when nurses unions turn up, they're there to help not to fuck up your insurrection. Right. Um, yep. to the, to the union nurses or union staff, God help you if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, they've yeah, already all blocked me, so they're definitely you're not. You're too far gone if you're listening to this. <laughs> when, when the insurrection pops off, your job is to be there to help make it better. And like, right. and I will say that like, I'm proud to be a part of uh, every organization that I'm a part of is an abolitionist organization at this point. National Nurses United has taken abolitionist positions over the past year and has been out there in the streets to help. Um, it's not always ever there a hundred percent. There's always people who don't fucking like aren't on board with everything. And there's always weirdo fucking landlord cop, whatever involved in anything that's bigger than just like your local affinity group. But as an anarchist and a person who fundamentally believes in organization, our job is to join with organizations that like work for the interests of working people and to push them to be better and to do more better cool shit and to be more anarchist even if they aren't explicitly anarchist in their orientation i mean the thing that you're describing really is like when i was talking about before like 
what is life is struggle, whether or not we want to look at it directly and like we're all in it, whether or not we want to be, <laughs> is that um, the next phase of that is realizing that we are in struggle together and that it's a collective yeah. and has to be a cooperative fight. And a lot of what you're um, talking about um, uh, feminist struggle, social reproductive, social, excuse me, social reproduction is um, also learning from each other what we don't know and or what is not our personal experience. And that makes our uh, our movement, our collectivity uh, stronger, more resilient, um, have more options um, for fighting better in the future. So on awesome. that note... Yeah, I think this uh, I would, is a good, good stopping place, right? Yeah, really amazing conversation. Um, this went exactly how I was hoping. Like, we covered a bunch of different what might seem on paper to be kind of disparate topics, but I think in the current moment are really intertwined, and I was happy to have this sort of, like, organically free-flowing conversation about it. Um, John, do you have any... Uh, do you want to... Tw- plug your Twitter? Do you want to plug any other things while we have you? Yeah, sure. Um, at Parsons Hanged on Twitter. Um, I'm working with a, uh, a good comrade, uh, Mel, who is uh, does Coffee with Comrades um, on a podcast, which is hilarious and deliciously <laughs> ironic. Um, but it, the, the podcast is going to be, we're um, calling it Cineproles, and it's going to mm. be um, basically Mel and I discussing and reviewing and covering movies that we feel like provide um, like really interesting um, lessons for, uh, in political education for nice. working class organizers. So we're starting out with some and the it's fun the way it's structured is it's like every season is going to be kind of like a um chronological arc through a a bit of history and we're starting out with like um the battleship kropotkin which is the world's first action movie and moving into modern (laughs) times and we're going to be covering some really badass shit that happened in like chile with battle of chile and um some really awesome uprisings in France with La Haine. Um, and just, and not talking about them as pieces, simply as pieces of film, but as people who like, I'm not a film, like I'm not a film studies person. I'm a fucking weird nerd who like loves watching the cinema of tragedy and politics and victories and all that good shit. So, um, and also loves a beautiful scene of, you know, um, everyone rising up. Um, so look for that here probably by the end of January. We're going to have our first episode. Now, A, you're making us look bad by being super organized and having a narrative arc and seasons already planned out. And B, you obviously need to make a private alt where you make a Pirate Bay links to all these films. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> okay, but so just so people know, the first two episodes, the first two seasons are all going to be, are all YouTube accessible movies. Hell so yes. You don't, yes. Have, you don't have to commit crimes. You can commit crimes to see what these What a films, comrade. And we encourage it. The, in, the, the, in, the intent of this podcast is to help people who may be baby leftists or whatever, who don't know because a lot of the shit people just don't know exists 
It's out Correct. there. It's on YouTube. You can pull it up. You're going to have groups of friends. If you want to watch some cool shit, these are awesome fucking movies that a lot of people don't even know exist. And they're fucking like, and it's just like really like, like, do you want to see what dual power looks like in real life? Do you want to see what a real movement of like, like, do you want to see what a class in motion looks like? You will learn that in yes. like the first season of this um, podcast. So um, before we get to the point where we have to, we're going to drain YouTube. Violate the DMCA. Yeah, we're going to, yeah. we're going to, we're going to drain YouTube of all of its open source content <laughs> before we start like uh, getting into I love the, it. here's how you fucking t- illegally download all this shit. So. <laughs> okay, great. I love it. This is fantastic. I'm so glad I asked. Okay. Uh, any last thoughts? This was a great conversation. Uh, thank you for joining us. So glad we could make it happen. Uh, I was feeling a little bit like, why aren't they inviting me on their podcast, guys? Because I'll tell you why, John. So John and I talked a couple of months ago, and he was like, I could talk about this. I could talk about this. I could talk about this. And I wrote it all down, and I was like, yeah. But I just, like, I needed the perfect confluence of events to come together because there were so many options I didn't know how to choose. I didn't even um, have to name names. So we did it. Next time you bring That's me on. True. When you're ready for, Yo. when you're ready for, like, the real, like, fucking, like, let's set the world on fire. Talk the- some shit. <laughs> Get In the like pre-taping, we were talking mad shit, but we did not name names because we're professionals. Um, maybe <laughs> if, we make, if we ever if we ever make a Patreon, we'll do like a, a members only post where we. I, 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 John, I next do. time you come on, you have to tell the story of uh, t- uh, 2017 DSA convention and the Spart, <laughs> oh, no. the Portland oh, no. Spart. Uh, do you remember? That was, that was glorious. <laughs> okay. That was mm, chef's kiss. <laughs> I, I I also want to hear the story of like. So I, I've heard a, a vague tale of, like, a project in Chicago of bringing sandwiches to a, like, alderman to be, oh, like, no. distribute these sandwiches. Oh, no. So, like, the... You yeah, guys, I, we're not ready for the Chicago DSA heat. We can't no, really can't bring it. that right. direct yeah. fire upon us uh, quite yet. I'm not ready, but we'll get there at some point. Whatever. <laughs> my, 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 I don't care. My schedule's open. I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a part two. Um, okay, buddies. Uh, stay safe out there. Watch out for Nazis. Um, homies in Kenosha. Solidarity from D.C. Everybody yeah. be like water. Be fire. Take care out there. As always, uh, lo- love to the Milwaukee to Chicago corridor, where yep. which is like my, my home base. So, yes. Love you. Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe out there. Good night.